You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to see all of you here today. If you are a guest, as Michael mentioned, my name is David, and it's my privilege to share with you God's Word this morning. I want to do that for just a few moments because the, really the highlight of today you know, are these baptisms, and we've got a couple of folks that are going to be baptized in this service and several more in the second service. And again, as Michael mentioned at the beginning of our time together today, if you've been watching that advertisement for this day and you've been kind of wavering, should I do it, should I not do it, I've become a follower of Jesus, but I'm kind of nervous about it, or what if the water's too cold. I've already felt it. It is a balmy 90-something degrees. So we have clothes and towels for you up here already. It's in the back room. So when I get done speaking today, if you're saying, man, I want to go ahead and I want to jump in the tank, we can help you facilitate that. If you're a guest of someone who's getting baptized this morning, we're honored to be able to share this time with you. And I want to tell you just a little bit about where we've been so you kind of have a context for what we're going to be doing today. And if you want to open up your Riverside apps to follow along there. There's a live tab where you can follow along in the notes this morning. If you want a Bible, you can also turn there. In the New Testament story of the book of Acts, it's actually the life of the, the apostles and the life of the early church after Jesus has resurrected and gone to the Father in heaven. We've been in Acts 1 through 4. Today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. So if you want to go ahead and get there in your Bibles, you can do that. I encourage you to follow along. We'll put some stuff up on the screen. But this is the final message in a series that we began just several weeks ago entitled, step forward with power. And so we've been looking at this whole theme this year of step forward. And specifically, we began with step forward with Jesus. Now we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us to be able to step forward. In this yearly year theme, we've been focusing in on this verse from Galatians chapter five. It's one of the New Testament letters that a guy named Paul wrote to a first century church. And it simply says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so this year, we're actually looking at this whole idea of how do we keep in step with the Spirit? How do we keep from falling behind what God's doing? And how do we keep from running ahead? Well, we keep in step with the Spirit. We do that by following Jesus, and we do that in this series with power. We'll begin a new series next week. I'll tell you about that at the end of our time together this morning. But today, we're going to look at the story of a man who has a great encounter on two different levels, both a public level and a private level. But before we get there, I want to begin this morning by asking you simply, what is it in your life that causes you joy? I'm talking about joy today specifically, and I want to invite you just to think a little bit about what is it even this past week. Maybe, maybe you could think, you know, big picture what's given you joy over the decades, but specifically maybe even this week. What is it that has caused you joy? Think about that for just a few moments. I've been thinking about it quite a bit already, and what I went to first were things that made me happy. But there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is directly connected to the circumstances of life. It actually comes from an old word, happenstance, and uh, that happiness comes from happenstance, and that's the circumstances that go throughout the course of life. And how many of you know circumstances go good, and we feel happy, and then they go bad, and we feel ugh, not so happy? But what is it that causes you deep, deep joy? For instance, this week, I ate some great chocolate. That made me happy. 
But that was temporary. It didn't stick around very long. And then I had a couple of friends who I got so excited for them. I didn't personally get to buy an iPhone 10, but they did. And I was so happy for them. But that faded away as well, because what you find is over the course of time, happiness comes and happiness goes. But joy, real lasting joy, is actually something deeper. I was reflecting on just this past seven days and some joyful moments that I helped, that helped me to see the difference between joy and happiness. Joy this last week for me was being able to provide something for my son. He called, he's, you guys know he's in North Carolina and he said, dad, I've run out of allergy pills and they actually, he actually needed them there. It's warm enough. They've still got the allergy thing going on there. And he said, dad, it's going to be this amount. And I was able to say, son, I got that. That gave me joy to be able to put that money in his bank account. As a parent, you understand if you've been able to come through for your kid and something and be able to help them to cover their expenses in some way, that gave me joy. Last week, I was preaching out at Elizabeth, uh, one of our sister churches out there. And my daughter, Jenna, got to be with me and she was there on the worship team Watching her be a part of the worship team caused me great joy. And then Amy and I were at the table on Tuesday night. If you don't know about the table, my goodness, it's a fantastic young adult ministry. And we were able to see all of these young adults, 18 to 29 or so, and we were able to interact with them and watch what God was doing in such an amazing ministry that when you give like you just did, you're helping to fund that ministry that reaches out to young adults. And that gave me such joy knowing that the investments that we're making in the future generation are actually beginning to pay off and they're gonna be the leaders of Jesus Church someday. So I'm so excited about those things. Those things are the things that gave me joy. What are the things this week that perhaps gave you joy that are beyond happiness? But then I asked myself this question, what is it that makes God feel joy? How does God experience joy? What makes God joyful? And I discovered that Actually, Jesus, as I was kind of thinking about this, I think Jesus actually attempted to answer that question one day. In Luke chapter 15, I didn't put it in your notes, but you can jot it down and look at it later. Jesus tells three stories consecutively, back to back to back. And then he makes some comments in and amongst those stories. He tells the story of a lost sheep. He tells the story of a lost coin, and he tells the story of a, of a young man who got lost in the process, disconnected from his family. And in each one of these stories, Jesus mentions this whole idea of joy. And at the end of the whole thing, he says, you know, there's actually a tremendous party when somebody comes to faith in Christ. When he says, he says, there's more rejoicing, there's joy in heaven with the angels, they throw this enormous party when somebody comes to faith in Christ. And that's what we're gonna be celebrating here today. I think Jesus says, you know what? When people get right with my heavenly father, that causes God joy. When he sees us doing what he's called us to do with our lives, there's a difference between the temporary, which I think is what more happiness is all about, and the eternal, which is where joy really resides. And that we can experience joy even when circumstances are difficult, even when things are tough, even when life seems to be spinning out of control. We can actually experience joy in the middle of that, especially when we're stepping forward with power into those difficult situations. The Spirit of God gives us the ability to face those with joy. There's also an interesting text in Hebrews chapter 12 that I just find fascinating. It's actually a text where it talks about Jesus headed to the cross. And the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, 
he endured the cross. For the joy that was set, what would have been the joy that Jesus would have actually been able to stay on that cross, not held by nine-inch nails, but held by his love for you and for me? What would cause him to be able to do that? Well, there was somewhere in the middle of all of that joy, And the joy that Jesus could see beyond the pain, beyond the death, beyond the grave, there was a joy that was on the other side of that that allowed Jesus to face the most darkest moments of human history and place all of your sin and all of my sin and all of our ugliness and our worst moments was placed upon him. And in the middle of all of that, there was joy. How in the world could there be joy? I think Jesus saw something. In fact, perhaps as he's hanging there suspended between heaven and earth, there was a moment where Jesus maybe thought about the text or the story, the experience. I don't know. I wasn't there. But I often wonder as he's hanging there for those hours, if he's envisioning, knowing what's coming in the future, a group of people are going to go out and with power, they're going to make a difference in this world. Perhaps he was envisioning what we're going to look at today in Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at the life of a guy by the name of Philip. And as you think about your joy and you think about God's joy, think about how similar or how different those things might be. And I think at the end of the day, what God wants to do is he wants to invite you and I into the amazing joy of stepping forward because there's a tremendous joy in it. Even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when we trip and fall along the way, there's a joy that we can experience that God gives us in the midst of when we step out and when we step forward. So as we look at this, Acts chapter eight is gonna depict some incredible spirit-empowered life and spirit-empowered ministry publicly and privately. And what I want to invite you to today is to consider that living a spirit-empowered life is really where the joy is found. That apart from living a spirit-empowered life, there won't be the kind of joy that God wants you to have. That in the moment, Jesus, even at his death, experienced a joy. And so as we said, as I said earlier, we're going to look at this guy named Philip. He is not one of the apostles He's chosen later in the moment. In fact, we're going to pick it up if you want to flip to Acts chapter 6 real quickly. We're just going to look at a few verses there. But this guy is chosen when they have their first church argument. Imagine that, an argument in church. If you're not a follower of Jesus and not around, Christians do occasionally argue and they have disagreements. And so that's exactly what was happening. And so the apostles said, hey, we need to get this thing fixed. And so they got it fixed. They invited some men to help them lead in the context to help provide for the local body. So we pick it up in verse three of Acts six. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full, notice this, full of what? The spirit. There's a spirit-empowered nature to each of these people and wisdom. And so it says that they chose Philip. And then there's a longer list there. I'm cutting it to the chase here just for the sake of our time. They presented these men to the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests, Jewish priests who would have been part of the persecution of Jesus, were seeing the radical transformation because of spirit-empowered ministry and the word of God going forth and their, li- their lives and their, uh, the blinders on their eyes being taken off and they're being transformed. They became obedient 
to the faith. Now, elsewhere in the book of Acts, he's named Philip the evangelist. Here's what we know about him. He's a Hellenistic Jewish Christian. He was Greek speaking, in other words. He was married. We don't know his wife's name, but he had four daughters and he lived in Caesarea. And later on in the book of Acts, you'll see him once or twice more beginning to be seen on the scene. So that's the context of who this Philip who became an evangelist, person that goes out and shares the good news as they all were at that stage. Wherever they found themselves, they were involved in this ministry that Jesus had called them to. In chapter, the rest of chapter six and all of chapter seven is all about Stephen being arrested, one of those guys that was a part of the chosen group that Philip was a part of, and he's martyred, he's stoned. And at the very end of that chapter seven, you see the introduction of the guy that we know today as the apostle Paul. And he was a part of the murderous threats and there's this great persecution that breaks out. That takes us to Acts chapter eight and verse four. And I wanna continue Philip's story. He's chosen, he's full of the spirit, he's full of wisdom. Now there is persecution that has hit the church and things are beginning to change in the, in the sight of the government and the sight of the Jewish people there. So those who had been scattered, again, scattered because of the persecution, preached the word of God, notice this, wherever they went. Philip, our character today, went down to a city in Samaria. Samaria was north of Jerusalem and proclaimed the Messiah there. He began to teach them about Jesus. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, Impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Notice this. So there was, help me out, great joy. What kind of joy? Great joy. It puts a smile on your face. Even just saying great joy ought to put a smile on your face in that city. The first of two thoughts that I just want to share with you today before we get into the tank and we begin to celebrate these people's lives and their transformations is simply this. When you live like these people were, a spirit-empowered, spirit-equipped, spirit-anointed, full of the spirit, full of wisdom, full of power, that will result in a citywide joy. It was contagious across the city. Notice here, they were preaching the word wherever they went. There was a public proclamation. There's a nature when we live the way that we're supposed to live. It won't just be in a private kind of a way. It'll be a public demonstration. When we live a spirit empowered, when we step forward with the spirit, there will be public proclamation of the good news. And notice that it says wherever they went, they were fully submitted. There was no preferential treatment. It didn't matter what race, what creed, what color, what economic status you came from, they would preach no matter where they went. And notice too, shockingly, we read over it so quickly, but they go to Samaria. It was radically inclusive. This was the area that would have been totally excluded by the Jewish people, but the new Christian movement was bringing in the Samaritans, and it was a very cool movement of the Holy Spirit. Notice too, who is the central focus? What is the central message? It's all about Jesus. Not the disciples, not Philip. It was always about the Messiah and how he was fulfilling all that he was supposed to fulfill in Old Testament prophecy. In the middle of all this rejoicing, the sick are restored, the possessed are released, and the people, they're rejoicing. They're having a blast because they're seeing the powerful movement of God. And why is it the Riverside does what we do? 
Again, if you're investigating faith or you're kind of checking it out here today and you're wondering what is Riverside all about, well, Michael mentioned it earlier, our simple motivation every single day and week and month and years to help people find and follow Jesus. And we want to do that in a variety of ways. We want to reach out into the community and be a blessing. As these folks were, we want to be the place where when Riverside's there, there is citywide joy. It's why we do things like Serve the Berg. That's why we will take, and you will be amazed to hear the stories of when we take the food and when we take the clothing when we do those things, those places benefit and they hear about Jesus. In fact, I heard a report from Thursday night. You remember we told you for weeks on end about this whole Halloween outreach where there would be some kids that would come through. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people came through here, much bigger than it has been in most recent years. And uh, they were struggling to keep up. They had to go buy more candy to be able to keep up with it. But we gave out river cards to thousands of people on Thursday night. And if you're here because you got a river card, we're glad you're here. We'd love to know that you're here with us and we wanna help you to grow in a relationship with Jesus. But that's the result of a group of people living together in communities that there could be citywide joy. And we want to be not just a local church, we wanna be a regional church. And actually we are a regional church here and down in Oakmont and what's going on there. But you're a part of something that if we live this right, it'll have a huge implication for the communities around us. Is that the kind of church we wanna be? Is that the kind of church we wanna be? Absolutely. We wanna experience a citywide joy as we live a spirit-infused, spirit-empowered life, individually, as families, and corporately together. Now, the question for you and I personally is, what message do they hear when they encounter us? They need to be hearing about Jesus, not just about Riverside, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's always about Jesus. That's what will result when that message is proclaimed. And where has God placed you? Because he's placed us all literally in dozens and dozens of communities. It's shocking when you look at the data from who comes to this, to this site specifically because we're not in a direct community. We've been doing the research because we know this lease will come to end eventually at some point in the future. We don't know how soon that's gonna be and whether or not we're gonna stay here long-term. People ask me from time to time. We're praying. You can be praying with us. We've still got a few years left on our lease, but we're actually looking into that now because we don't wanna be caught last minute. We wanna have God's heart and his will on that. But as we look at the communities, there are so many There is no majority anywhere from where everyone is coming. So we want to be a place where there can be not just a personal joy, but a public joy, a place where people are restored, where they experience love and hope, and the oppressed are freed, and there is forgiveness in Jesus. So if that's what you're looking for in the church, we're glad you're here, and we hope that you'll stay. Continuing the story in Acts 6, uh, 8, 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go. Everybody say that with me. Go, go. Spirit promptings. You're gonna see this throughout the New Testament, especially here in the book of Acts. Go south, or you could also translate it, go at noon, to the road, the desert road. Did we mention it was a desert road? That goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, Gaza is 50 miles south of Jerusalem. So he goes to Samaria in the north. Now he's all the way down in Gaza, 50 miles south. It's the last place, it's the last watering hole, if you will, of that area until you got to Egypt. So you filled your water tanks and you got ready to go. Uh, It's one of the five Philistine cities in the Old Testament, just kind of a little bit of data how, how God is doing his thing. And God says to Philip, 
go at noon or go south at noon in the heat of the day when no one would be on the trail. That was not the time of day. Seriously, God, you want me to go when it's 130 degrees out? Seriously, that's what you want me to do? Yes, that's what I want you to do. So he started out. And notice this, on his way, be important in a minute, on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the king of the Ethiopians. Now, when you think of Ethiopia, not the Ethiopia we know today. This is the Old Testament community or, or group of people named Cush. It's the old Nubian empire for your history buffs, not Ethiopia as we think of it today. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Interestingly enough, he could not have fully been a part of the Jewish worship experience because he was a eunuch. Old Testament law forbid eunuchs from going all the way in and experiencing the full depth of the worship in the religious context of that day. But he goes to worship as best as he can, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, his ox-drawn wagon, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, here it is again, go, go to that chariot and stay near it. Notice the Spirit's promptings. When you live in step with the Spirit, you will experience promptings. Go. Stop, stay, advance, speak up, keep quiet, offer hope, speak peace, pray with that person, hug that person, weep with this person, mourn with that person, celebrate with that individual, confront that person, implore this person, beg them, warn them, encourage them, all kinds of promptings. And later this year, as we talk about keeping in step, next year we're gonna talk about how do you hear the whispers of the Spirit? What do the whispers sound like? But notice that Philip didn't have all of the answers when he started out. It wasn't until he was on his way that things begin to unfold and they become clearer and the opportunity presents itself and I hate this. I wanted to say, and God said, go, and here you're gonna run into this guy and then this is gonna happen and then this is gonna happen. But guess what? It's not the way it works, is it? You go, and as you step out, as you step forward, God begins to make things clearer. Don't wait. Hear me on this. Don't wait until you've got everything figured out, until all the places and all the things are figured out to follow through on the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You will not be able to keep in step with the Spirit if you wait until the whole thing's figured out in front of you. For some of us, that's a huge challenge. Who's gonna be honest with me? That's a struggle for you. Yep. You see, it helps to confess it publicly, privately, and everywhere in between. Begins to break the power of that. It continues on. Then Philip, he finally begins to see, oh, okay, I'm supposed to go to that specific guy. I can't believe there's somebody out here traveling this part of the day. Shocking, but that's God. He does great things in ways that we couldn't possibly imagine. So he runs up to the chariot, and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Interestingly, just as a quick side note, why in the world is this guy, this Ethiopian eunuch, why in the world is he reading Isaiah? Well, parchments were hard to come by, so he's a very wealthy man to begin with, so he's get, gotten his hands on this text, which was very, very rare, but he gets his hands on it. That's a pretty cool thing. I always imagine when I read this story that he might have been reading Isaiah 56, three through five, as he's heading into what Philip's gonna be hearing him read. Actually, interestingly enough, Isaiah 
promises that God has incredible things in store for people who are eunuchs. So perhaps he's reading it because he's a eunuch. In fact, Isaiah says there's going to be a grander heritage better than sons and daughters for people who are eunuchs. So I don't know. Maybe that's what he's doing there. I don't know for sure, but he's reading Isaiah 53. Jesus is going to be glorified in the middle of this. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So notice this. He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. And he actually is reading chapter 53 of Isaiah, specifically verses seven and eight. Here's what it says. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, I mean, you could not have teed this up any better had you tried. This is the central text in all of the Old Testament that points the nation of Israel so blindingly clearly to the Messiah, to Jesus. And the eunuch is about to get it. He's on the edge of his seat and he's saying, hey, who is this about? Is it about Isaiah or is it about somebody else? And watch what Philip does. Philip Tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about himself or someone else? Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And from there, it launches out. And they have this dialogue. We don't have all the details. But notice that the eunuch was someone who Jesus called a person of peace. Notice the invitation. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This guy was hungry and he was thirsty and he was ready to receive good news about Jesus. The lesson for you and for I, for you and me, lesson for me, yeah, for me, is don't get into fights with people who aren't yet ready to hear about Jesus. If you've got somebody in your life that's already hostile and they're already not, they're pushing back and they're not ready, wait or gently go, but don't keep pushing, don't keep fighting, don't keep getting into arguments and debates that just push them farther away. You're looking for a person of peace. And when Jesus, back in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sends out the 72 disciples, he intentionally tells them, look for people who are people of peace. And when you find a person who is a person of peace, they will be ready to receive good news. Otherwise, you're just gonna be fighting uphill and you're gonna give Jesus and risk giving Jesus and yourself and Christianity a bad name. And we got enough of that in the world. We don't need to be adding to that. So Jesus here in the middle of this story is glorified. This guy was ready So just out of curiosity, who is it in your world, as you're thinking about people that might want to follow Jesus, who in your world is reading through the Old Testament right now looking for faith in Christ? (laughs) Probably nobody. But there will be people that God has placed in your world at that coffee shop, where you work, on your street, maybe even in your home, that you can be a person that can show them good news. It should be good news about Jesus. You never see the disciples saying, hey, I've got some really bad news to tell you. God hates you and you're headed to hell. Isn't that awesome? They never do that. So if that's your approach, you're looking for good news about Jesus. And in spirit-empowered life, shares that good news. So will you be the one 
when a person of faith, when a, per, or a person of peace rather, comes to you and asks you, or there is a spirit prompting, will you be the one to share good news about Jesus with them? He's asking for us to. He wants us to. In verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way. Help me out. Rejoicing. You rejoice, you celebrate. There is joy. Spirit-empowered ministry isn't just about a citywide joy, which we want, but it also results in personal joy, in a private joy. And part of the good news about Jesus is that the first thing that we do after we acknowledge our sin, after we take responsibility for our own brokenness, after we repent and we turn away from a life of self-centeredness, we invite Jesus to rescue us. We live a life of love. The first thing we do is we are baptized. That's why we're doing this today. Because several have come to faith. Because several of you are returning to faith. And you want to celebrate that publicly. It's a picture of our old self going under the water with Jesus in his death. We die to our old selves and we're raised to new life in Christ. There is no greater joy than having the privilege of baptizing somebody that you personally helped to lead to Christ. It's the greatest honor in a life. There's no greater joy than publicly declaring that you belong to Jesus. If you wanna be able to say, hey, I remember the most joyful day in the month of October of 2017, it was the day that I got drenched. It was raining outside and it was cold, but there was a fire of the Holy Spirit and there was warm water. And I publicly decided that I wanted everyone to know that I belong to Jesus. No greater joy. So there's a private joy. There's a public joy when we live this spirit-empowered, spirit-filled life. So how will you joyfully step forward? spirit-empowered ministry. You're not just a preacher to do spirit-empowered ministry. You're not just pastors, not just church leaders. You're doing spirit-empowered ministry wherever you are. In hospitals, in schools, on the fields, in the classrooms, in the workshops, in the homes, wherever you find yourself. Spirit-empowered ministry is what we're invited to. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come. And as they're coming, I'm gonna pray. And those of you that are gonna be baptized, I invite you to go ahead and step out. If you say, today is my day, I wanna experience that joy. When Jesus got into the waters, when he was baptized as a way to lead the way for us, the Father in heaven spoke over him, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. You wanna hear that over you? This is my adopted daughter. This is my adopted son. 
Today is your day. Denise is right back there. We've got clothes of every shape, size, color, creed, whatever. We'll get it done. We'll figure it out. And we're real close to Walmart. We'll go buy more if we have to. All right, so see her. In just a moment, we're gonna pray. But I wanna conclude with a story. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had a Christianity 101 membership class. And there was a couple that was in that class and they had been coming for years, exploring faith, investigating Jesus. The wife got cancer, scared her to death. She's still here, she's still fighting. She gave her life to Christ at some point in the last couple of years. The husband was there and he came to me and we're during one of the breaks and he said, David, whatever it is you're talking about, I don't get that. I've never experienced that. He said, I grew up in an environment, in a church culture where it was about the do's and the don'ts, the religion. I didn't know that they could actually have a relationship with Jesus. I thought it was about checking the boxes. I thought it was about what I didn't do and what I did do. And he said, I hear today that it's about what's been done for me at the cross. We came back and we had a second conversation and he got a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. He said, I just have a few more things. I'm just not sure. I, I, I just, I don't know if I can be good enough. And I said, oh, you will never be good enough. You'll never have your act together good enough to please God. So he sent Jesus to meet that demand for the pleasure of God and the holiness and the righteousness of God to be able to cross that line of faith. So I say, you know what? You already went with me. Let me give you to the big gun. And I had him meet with my dad. And he led him to Jesus and he prayed. He's gonna be baptized soon. That's what it's all about. That's what we're here to do. There was great joy in heaven when one sinner repents. That's what this couple did. Today could be your day. Would you bow your hearts with me? Father in heaven, thank you for the spirit-empowered ministry that you've invited us into that results in a citywide joy, that results in a public confessions of faith. It's, there's, there are healings. There are miraculous things that happen when your family gets together and full of the Holy Spirit does things, amazing things in your name. There's also amazing opportunities that we face every day on a personal level, on a private level, that could result in the rejoicing of other people who have the honor of coming to you by faith. So Lord, would you plant us in those areas, in spirit-empowered ministry, in our workplaces, in our friendships, in our social settings, in our classrooms, on our teams, in places where we lead and in places where we follow, may we set the pace as your followers of doing spirit-empowered ministry. Lord, may we not wait until we've got everything figured out. May we listen to your promptings to go, to stop, to stay, to speak, to love, to mourn with those who mourn, to grieve with those who grieve, to rejoice with those who rejoice, whatever the opportunity. Father, may we not squander it this week. May we be listening to your promptings and may we be filled with joy beyond the happiness that comes and go, but a joy that's found in following you, stepping forward in that joy that you've invited us to. Thank you, Jesus, for enduring the cross 
so that you could see on the other side the joy of us coming to faith, the joy of these people today being baptized, of celebrating with them the redemption of their lost and broken lives, their empty souls. Thank you, Jesus, for all that we have the opportunity to celebrate. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.